I feel like I got one more week in me. God is not through blessing you. Can I get an amen? Have y'all, have y'all got this down in your heart yet? Come on, that we are believing for better days, bigger days, and brighter days. That God is the God of restoration and recovery. That our past is not our prophecy. Our past is not our prison. And our past is not our prediction. That we're moving forward in everything God has for us. We're not bound by it. We can learn from our past, even honor our past. But we don't live there forever. God is not through blessing us. Our best days are not behind us. They're actually still out in front of us. And we want to get there and we want to experience everything God has for us. I'm going to read eight verses of scripture. I'm going to ask you to stand for it. And uh, I'm going to start in Luke 17, verse 11. As he entered the village, Luke 17, 11, as he entered the village, uh, excuse me, while Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. They raised their voice and called out, Jesus, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were miraculously healed and made clean. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned turn back, glorifying and praising God and honoring God with a loud voice. And he lay face downward at Jesus' feet, thanking him over and over. Everyone say over and over. He was a Samaritan. And then Jesus asked, were, not, were there not 10 of you? Where are the other nine? Nobody else was grateful. What, what's up with this? Was there no one found to return and to give thanks and praise God except this foreigner? So Jesus said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith, your personal trust in me and your confidence in God's power has restored you to health. Now we're going to look at that word restore because it's going to mean a lot. But back to 14, he, said, he, he thanked him over and over. He thanked, verse 16, excuse me, he thanked him over and over. I just love that. I just love that. He thanked him over and over. And I want to preach uh, kind of with that thought in mind tonight from the subject. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you. Can anybody just say, God's been really good to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Lord, bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. <laughs> Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to uh, pay for the sins of humanity. He's on his way to die on the cross. He's um, very much on mission and on purpose, and he knows exactly where he's going. And he receives a little holy distraction on the way to Jerusalem. And these 10 men intervene into the story of God. Um, I want you to know that you can do that. You can get his attention. You can distract him. Preachers say all the time, prayer changes me, not God. Uh, I agree and I disagree because what God does, God does through prayer. It's not that prayer changes God's mind, but prayer invites God to do what he would not do without prayer. I, th I thought God was in control. Uh, the heavens belong to God. The earth belongs to men. And God only does what he does through a praying church. Yo. <clears throat> it's getting quiet already, huh? 
I'm preaching y'all quiet. Y'all thinking at 6.40 at night. And so he's on his way and these 10 men intervene into the story of God. I just want to tell you, you can intervene into the story of God. Your life can become a part of God's story. God doesn't have to be moving other places for other people. God can move in your life because you can actually get in front of him. Uh, this happens to me. I, I study in my home office. That's where I work from. And um, I'll tell Goldie, my little three-year-old daughter is asleep right now in the front row. I'll say, baby, you can't go in Dada's office. Dada's studying for church. I'm working. And she'll go, okay, Dada. And I'll go, okay. She'll go, okay. And I'll shut the door. I'll open my Bible. I'll open my laptop. I'll begin to study. And 3.7 seconds later, all the parents know, boom, that door opens. Hi, Dad. <laughs> and so I shut the laptop and I shut the Bible and I put it down and she jumps in my arms and, uh, and she distracts me and it's the best. <laughs> and then she gets bored and she leaves and I get back to work. And then 5.7 seconds later, boom, she's back. Hi, Dad. What are you doing? I'm working, babe. Okay, and she grabs my face and she moves the laptop and she, <sighs> and I love it. And, she, and it's a good distraction, and, and I don't think God's worried about it. God seems to always speak to me, even with those distractions, so it's good. Uh, and I want to I tell you, I, I, believe you can, I believe you can get right in the... Hi, God. Hi. Hi, Father. I know people only say you move in Asia, in Africa, but we here in Vegas, and we like, hey. Can, I, know you're, I know you're moving in China, and I know you're moving... I know you're moving in Nigeria, but hi, 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 God, hey. How many would like to distract God and get him right here in Vegas to do something that's never been done in our city? And these 10 men, they get the attention of Jesus. And while he's on his way to Jerusalem, he has to stop in this village. Uh, some, some theologians actually say this village was a leper colony because once you became a leper, you were kicked out of your home, you had to leave your family, you had to leave your house, you had to leave your town, and you had to gather with other lepers. And so some actually say that he was actually walking through a leper colony and they see him moving, they know they have a moment, and they pull on his gift in that moment. Now the Bible says they called out to him from a distance because under this time, you had to stay 50 yards away from other people. So they're 50 yards away from Jesus and they're crying out and they would have had their mouth covered because at this time, again, this wasn't true, but they believed that leprosy was airborne. So they would cover their mouth and they were saying, Jesus, have mercy. Jesus, have mercy on us. Un Jesus, have mercy on us. We are unclean. Historians go on to tell us that when they had to go into cities to get water or food or whatever, they would actually have to warn everyone, unclean, unclean. They had to announce their issue. That'd be an awkward day in this church. Drug addict, pornography, racism. I hate people of your skin color. That would be, a, this would, we'd break out in fights. And they had to announce their shame and they had to announce their weaknesses and they had to announce their brokenness. And they're tired of it and they say, Jesus, we need a miracle. We need you to move 
in our lives. Now, leprosy was a word for various different skin diseases, including, uh, I mean, it was just, it was kind of all-encompassing, but what leprosy usually came with first was nerve damage. And so as the blood would stop flowing to the furthest parts from your heart, you would lose blood flow and then you would lose your ability to feel. And so sometimes even before you ever saw kind of the skin deteriorate, the first thing you do is you just, you just lose feeling. See, I'll have guys come up to me and go, man, I feel so bad. I just did something so stupid. I just feel terrible. And I'll go, man, I'm just grateful you feel bad. Because it's really scary when you do that and you don't care anymore. Sin should come with some shame. Sin should come with some conviction. What's, what, that's not scary. What's scary is when you can do it and don't care. Huh. When you do it and you've lost your nerve, you've lost your feelings, you've lost your sensitivity, you've lost, you've lost your ability to feel God's presence, hear God's voice, you, you've lost that fire in worship, you've lost that, that passion to encounter God's presence, you, cold, uh, church has become cold and routine and ritualistic and religious to you, and so you go through the, emotion, the emotions of it, or the motions of it, excuse me, but you no longer feel it, you no longer, you no, you're no longer moved by it, you're no, longer, you're no longer impacted by it, and it just becomes a good thing to do on a Sunday, but no longer a life transformation. But can I tell you, lepers of the soul, you can get your feeling back. You can get your fire back. You can get your faith back. Come on. You can get your ears back. You can get the ability to hear God again, speak for God again, sense God again, love God again, know God again. And so Jesus wants to restore you. He is not through blessing you. That's why David said, God, you restore my soul. Because my soul can get tired and broken and weary, and it needs restoration. So I want to show you some things from the text that I believe we can learn from these men, and especially that one man that can help us as we move forward. Here's the first one. Uh, super deep, super deep. I hope you all ready. So deep. Just do what Jesus told you to do. No Greek, no Hebrew, no tongues, no prophecy. Just, just do the dang thing he told you to do. They, they say, Jesus, would you heal us? And he did not say, be whole. He did not say, be healed. He did not say, rise in, in my name. He did not lay hands. He did not speak to the sickness. He did not cast out a devil. He just looked at him and he went, y'all need to go to church. Verse 14, go show yourself to the priest. Now, you weren't supposed to go show yourself to the priest till after you were healed. But he says, go ahead and go while you're still broken and just go do the thing that you know you should be doing even in your weakness and brokenness. <laughs> just because you have leprosy doesn't mean you should ever stop. True power is when you can do the thing you know to do even in the weakness of your flesh. Nothing changed yet, but they moved. You have to learn how to move before manifestation. Well, I'll move once I, I feel manifestation. I'll, I'll really praise once I see it. I'll really, I'll really be grateful once. No, no, no. You have to learn how to move 
before manifestation. Moving on a word, not on a feeling. Moving on a word, not on manifestation. Moving on, if God said it, I believe it, that settles it, I'm just going to move on it. Nothing had changed yet, but they started moving. Let me say it like this. You need to keep doing the last thing God told you to do. Can y'all say amen? Because people in overflow shout me down and y'all being quiet. So we're going we're gonna to have to do a swap right now if y'all don't. Come on, get with me now. You got to do, do the last thing. Jesus. Man, I need a new word. Do the old word. Because the new word is actually connected to the last word. And if you haven't done the last thing God told you, you're not going to be ready for the new thing God's about to tell you. Oh, man, I need a fresh thing. I need a new thing. I need a, okay, okay, but have you done the last thing? Because, because until you've mastered the last thing, God isn't ready to graduate you into the new. You don't go from first grade to calculus. You don't go from kindergarten to a doctorate. You've got to graduate. You've got to go level by level. And a lot of people are praying graduate prayers and doctorate prayers and calculus prayers. And God's like, can you learn the ABCs? Can you love people? Can you stop gossiping? Can you start tithing? Can you actually love people and be kind to people and just be great? Can you praise me once in a while? Can you change your attitude? Because I know you're praying for a calculus blessing, but can you learn the ABC real quick? Oh, and there's calculus. Oh, it's good. There's doctrines for you in the spirit. There's weight for you to carry, but you got to learn how to do the last thing God told you to do. See, here's where authority is birthed, and we don't even know about authority anymore. We literally don't know about it. And I'm going to say we, and I'm talking to you youngins. Give me that camera. I'm talking to you children. I'm talking to you Gen Xers and, I mean, Gen Ys and millennials. I'm talking to you. Because we've mistaken platform for authority. And we've mistaken titles for authority. And we've mistaken opinions on social media as authority. <sighs> yeah, so, so a title is not authority. A, a position is not authority. You can be called whatever you want to be called. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, life coach, anything else you want to be called. You can put anything you want on your Insta bio. But if no one's following you, you ain't nothing. Because, let me tell you where authority, and we don't know authority anymore. We don't know authority anymore. But authority is birthed in doing the right thing over and over and over and over and over and over and and not getting bored with doing a good thing over and over and over again and being faithful with it. It's, it's, it's Galatians 6 and 9, being not weary in, in well-doing and in, in doing a good thing because in time I'll reap harvest, but I ain't even worried about that. I'm just learning how to be weary. I'm learning how to be faithful and not grow weary. So we've lost authority. So we can just hop on social. You, you can go on, on Google right now and you can buy yourself an ordination letter. I'm an ordained minister. Wow. For $19.99. And so we've got people with titles. With no authority in the spirit. Authority is birthed in doing the right thing for a long period of time. So so like my authority is birthed in that I've been in full-time ministry for 18 years. My authority is birthed in the sacrifice of planting this church. My authority is birthed in the two men that I served before this ministry. 
Not in my gifting. My gifting didn't build this house. <sighs> my authority is, there's a lot of great preachers who can't build. There's a lot of good communicators that can't gather. Because authority is what draws people. Okay, I'm telling you, this is how you, this is how you gain weight in the spirit. That's how you get muscle in the spirit. So that when you speak, your words carry weight. Like Samuel, your words do not fall to the floor. Okay. Let me continue. Go to the priest. They go to the priest. They say, I'm healed. Here's what would have happened ceremonially. The priest would have said, you're healed? They would have said, yeah, we're healed. Are you sure? I mean, yeah, we, we got feeling back. The pain's gone. We're, we're healed. And what happened in the healing was the, the flesh-eating disease stopped, died. But their skin still had to recover. So they would have went to the priest and said, we're healed for sure. That, that, that guy, Jesus, he says he's the Messiah. I mean, he said, and we feel better. The priest would have said, okay, I'm going to put you on a 14-day plan. Go back to your colony and come back in 14 days and I'll inspect your skin before he would deem them clean. I want you to catch this. They get a word from God and go back to their normal life. Because that's where authority is birthed. Not in getting a word and bouncing, but getting a word and going back to the grind. If, if your word is causing you to leave, you missed the point of the word. Because the word sends you back home, sends you back to doing what you know you ought to do, but now you're doing it with a word and not just doing it blindly. See, I was, I was talking to a friend this morning in ministry, and I said, I said brother, here's the thing about, about, about this thing called ministry. It doesn't get easier. And he was like, oh, man, you're not really encouraging me. I said, no, 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 no. It, it doesn't get easier, but what happens is you learn how significant your life is. You realize how significant your voice is over time. So life doesn't get easier, but it becomes more significant. And it's the significance that releases grace to do what you're called to do. And that's not just for preachers. That's for any believer in the house. My life has significance. My life carries significance. People are watching me. My children are watching me. My friends are watching me. My neighbors are watching me. My coworkers are watching me. My family is watching me. And my life now, my decisions are a seed and they carry significance. It's not that I'm believing God for an easier life, but I'm believing God for a more significant life. And when I realize the significance of what God has put on the inside of me, it will release me and grace me to carry more than I could carry without it. I know this is deep. I know, I know, but it's week five. We've been building towards this. Here we go. Many are paralyzed by what they want to do and never do what they know to do. <laughs> Dang. I know what you want to do. But, but are you doing what you know to do right now? 
Because only God can give you that stuff. So you can't even go there. You need to be faithful with what you can do. Like there are many things I want. There are many things I'm believing God for. There are many things I'm praying for. But while I'm waiting, I continue to do the things I know to do. Y'all with me? Y'all tracking with me? I just got to continue to do the things I know to do. I'm believing God for some miracles. I'm like, like I'm believing God for a bigger building here in the Southwest, but I'm going to do what I know to do. And that's to reach more people and serve more people and love more people. So we're starting campuses. That's not easier. That's not convenient. But while I'm waiting on what I want God to do, I'm going to do what I know to do. And I'm not going to just wait for a miracle. I'm going to go be a miracle for somebody else. Wow. Okay. Number two. Number two. Choose gratitude. Choose gratitude. Here's what gratitude means. It means being thankful. And it means readiness to show appreciation. Like I am looking. I am looking for ways to show appreciation. In other words, I am not looking for ways to be offended. I'm not looking for ways to be the victim. I'm not looking for ways to complain. I am looking for ways to show appreciation. I am looking for ways to honor people and encourage people and love on people. I am being thankful. I'm ch- gratitude is a choice. All right, let me prove it. Psalm 100, Psalm 100. Enter with the password, thank you. Make yourselves at home, talking praise, thank him, worship him. Enter with the password, thank you. God has a very clear protocol to how to get into his presence. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you made it into God's house. Just because you got under this roof doesn't mean you got undercover. The black church says you got to go in. I'm talking about going in. I'm talking about, I'm talking about you got you to gotta enter in with the password that God goes, there is one way into my presence and it's called gratitude. And you don't, just, you don't just get to walk in with any attitude or spirit or mentality you want. I only hang with grateful people. And a lot of people mistake going to church with getting in God's presence. But you only get in God's presence through praise and through gratitude and through worship. That's why. Can you say amen? That's why, I don't know, 1,100 and something people will, will go through these doors today. And hundreds, hundreds will walk out going, I don't know, whatever. It was like whatever. It's good. Worship was like, cool. Yeah, it was like that, that new song. It's kind of hard to, yeah, it was kind of cool. I'm like, whatever. It's like hard to clap on. That's good. It's good. <sighs> the first song is kind of like pop. It's like kind of pop. <laughs> Preacher was kind of goofy. I don't know. I'm kind of more, I'm kind of, I'm here for the meat of the word. You know, it's like, cool. And, 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 and then we'll get anything. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. And then you'll have, Hundreds of other people who would go, my life's been changed. (laughs) Am I talking to any of those people? Worship was so anointed. 
Every time I come to church, God talks to me. I love that it's packed. I love that I'm sitting on top of other people. I love that God's house is full and full of life and excited. I love the lights. I love the sound. I love that it's loud. Because then I can sing as loud as I want to. I love God's house. I love that I have to park far away. Because that means there's a lot of people here. What, what, what's the difference? Some people walk in with praise. See, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you now. This thing called faith is voice activated. It's, it's motion activated. You got you to gotta do something with it. All right, here, here's another one. Be thankful in all circumstances. First Thessalonians 5.18. In all, not for all. In all. Not for all. In all. For this is God's will. So can I do a, a super cheesy dad joke? Can I do a bad preacher joke? Have I earned that yet? Okay, well, I'm going to try it anyway. Who would love to be in God's perfect will for your life? Raise your hand. Can I see your hand? Can I see? Okay, be grateful. Be thankful. This is God's will for you. That's God's will. Gratitude is God's will. I would like to be in God's will. Be thankful. Be thankful in what you have right now. That's God's will. See, and, 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 and here's the thing, because I actually believe that not only does gratitude lead you into God's will, not only is it God's will, but when you lose that gratitude, not only is it not God's will for your life, but that ingratitude, that opposite of gratitude, it will actually take you out of God's will. You'll, you'll, you'll complain your way right out of what God's doing in your life. I know people who've complained themselves out of jobs, out of marriages, out of relationships, out of churches, because they just talk themselves into it. I know, I know pastors, for instance, I preach, I'll preach for pastors who have great churches in small towns. We're talking towns of 50,000, 100,000, whatever. But they're, but they're killing it. They're making such a huge impact. And we'll hop in the car after I go, Pastor, that's amazing. God is moving. Y'all are impacting so many people. Wow, praise God. And they'll go, yeah, you know, our town's just really small. And there's a lot of small thinkers. And there's a lot of people who just don't get what we're trying to do. And, you know, we don't even have a Starbucks yet. You know, man, we're just trying to like. And I'll go, I'll go, whoa, 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 whoa. time out, bro. Time out. And I'll tell them this now, because now I don't care. And I'll be like, bro, bruh, dude, homie, pastor, bishop, whatever you want to be called, apostle, you, you, you need to stop that. You, you have to, because you will actually complain yourself right out of your assignment. And, 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 and those guys who can't get a hold of that end up doing something crazy. They just end up messing up their life. Because that, that gratitude is actually God's will, keeps you in God's will, keeps you safe, keeps you right where you're supposed to be. Yeah. All right, let me give you another one. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. All right, we're going to try that one again. <laughs> Let's try it. Class participation, y'all ready? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Re, again, re, again, joyce, joy. Again, joy. Refill. You don't put gas in your car once. 
And when it runs out, you go, I guess I need another car. No, 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 you go fill it up. When your phone dies, you, yeah, you got to charge it. You got to recharge it. You got to refill it. When, 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 when your joy dies, you got to rejoice. When you want to complain, you got to re, you got to fill it back. And again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. And you got to continue to do it. Rejoice in the Lord always. The opposite of rejoicing, the, the, the antonym is lament. Lament is an interesting word because it's a poetry word. It's a verbiage word. It's a song word. You would write a lament or sing a lament. I just, I just wonder, we were talking about the theme of our life last week. I wonder what, what is your theme? Is it rejoicing or lamenting? If I, went on your, if I went on your Facebook, would it be lamenting or rejoicing? If I went on your Instagram, would it be lamenting or rejoicing? If I went on your text messages, would it be lamenting or rejoicing? If I, if I, if I went into your house for the day, would the conversation be rejoicing or lamenting? Okay. Well, Jamie, that's easy for the apostle Paul to say. He was an apostle. He was a pastor. He was a preacher. Homie, he wrote this in prison. Jail. But Paul knew, Paul knew that what was going on on the inside of him had more authority than what was going on on the outside of him. <sighs> See, he would go on to say, he would go on to say this, they, 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 they chained me up, but they can't chain up the gospel. They locked me up, but the gospel is actually spreading from prison because the prison guards are getting saved and the, and the jailers are getting saved and the other prisoners are getting saved and their families are getting saved and everybody's getting saved. And so, so they thought if they, if they locked me up, they could lock up the message, but you can't lock up the message. <laughs> and and that grati- you can't lock up that gratitude. It will change your life. Talking about rejoicing. All right, so that's theology. Let me give you some science. Y'all ready? Think with me. For five minutes, a team of researchers out of Indiana University recruited 43 subjects suffering from anxiety and depression. Half of this group was assigned a simple gratitude exercise, writing letters of thanks to people in their lives. And three months later, all 43 went under, uh, underwent brain scans. During these brain scans, the subjects participated in a gratitude task in which they were told a benefactor had given them a sum of money and were asked whether they'd like to donate a portion of the funds to charity as an expression of gratitude. Those who gave away money showed a particular pattern of activity in their brains. But that wasn't the most interesting finding. The participants who completed the gratitude task months earlier not only reported feeling more gratefulness two weeks after the task than members of the other control group, I don't know, so I don't know if you're catching this. Out of the 43, the half who did the gratitude of writing the notes is now more grateful, was more grateful for the money that was given to them, and was more willing to give it to charity. Months later, okay, let me continue, showed more gratitude, brain activity in the scanner. Now, we're talking about the brain. We're not talking about the mind or the spirit or the soul or... We're talking about your brain. We're talking about that organ in your skull right now. Okay. The researchers describe these profound and long-lasting neural effects as noteworthy. That's what 
Christian Jarrett said from Science of Us blog. Now, let me continue from Harvard Research. The result is interesting for neuroscientists, and it is also useful for the rest of us. Yeah. It suggests that the more practice, I'm talking about practice. Y'all talking about practice. I ain't talking about practice, AI. That was only for the ballers in the room. Don't even say you know about basketball if you didn't understand that. Suggests that the more practice you give your brain at feeling and expressing gratitude, the more it adapts to this mindset. Okay. You could even think of your brain as having a sort of gratitude muscle. This is from Harvard. A gratitude muscle that can be exercised and strengthened. The more of an effort you make to feel gratitude one day, the more the feeling will come to you spontaneously in the future. As Sean Archer from Harvard Research. In the same way that working out is good for your muscles and cardio is good for your physical heart, gratitude is physically good for your physical brain. I'm going to continue now. This is now from Dr. Caroline Leaf, a neuroscientist. She said this, when you repeat a behavior such as complaining, your neurons branch out to each other and ease the flow of information. This makes it much easier to repeat the behavior in the future. Okay, let me just tell you what she just said. Your brain is looking for the, for the path of least resistance. That's why whenever you get home from work, you don't, you don't want to engage with your family. Like dudes want to turn on SportsCenter because they just want to... When kids get home from school, they don't, oh, homework. No, 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 they want to they chill. Our brain is looking for the least resistance possible. Okay, so whatever you do consistently becomes easier for your brain. And then your brain craves it. That's why people who lie, lie all the time. The first time they lied, they were uncomfortable with it. At first when they would lie, they would think of how they had to cover it up. Now they just, y'all know it. Have y'all ever met a compulsive liar? They, they lie about stuff. They don't even know why they're lying. They just lying. I ain't lying. <laughs> y'all know a gossip? They just, they can't help it. Oh yeah, I was eating with Sarah today. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Sarah. Why are you talking about her like that? I don't know. You actually do it by accident because you've trained your brain. People who are addicted to gambling did not start out being addicted to gambling. No, they got $20 and they went to the casino and they were like, I know this is stupid. I know I'm going to lose it, but I just, you know, I budgeted for it. It's just going to be dumb. It's just going to be fun for a night. And I know I'm going to lose it. Like they know they're going to lose it. And 10 years later, they're fully addicted, ruining their life. Because they've trained their brain to crave it. I'm not talking about your soul. I'm talking about your physical brain has gotten used to the sounds and the smells and the, and the, and the high of it. Okay, so alcohol. The first time you drink uh, scotch, you don't drink it and go, oh, this is so refreshing like a spring day. I'm not, I don't care if you drink. I don't care. But you don't, you know, you drink it and you go, oh, smooth. Can I get a splendor? You know, you, some ice. That's for the office fans. Okay, moving on. It, you, I got a lot of good references tonight. The, my point is, you don't. But as you continue to do it, you start to crave it. Now, this is in anything. 
because your, your, your neurons are literally connecting and firing together to create like a super highway. That this is the easiest, the easiest thing to do tonight is have a drink because that's what I do. The easiest thing to do on a Saturday night is go gambling because that's what I do. The, the easiest thing to do is complain because that's what I do. So you have to retrain your brain. You've got to put that thing in submission and start a new habit of gratitude so that it becomes easy to praise. It becomes easy to be grateful. It would be hard to complain. I got to keep going. Research from Stanford University has shown that complaining shrinks the hippocampus, an area of the brain that is critical uh, to problem solving and intelligent thought. It shrinks it. In other words, this is her, I didn't say this, complaining makes you dumb and dumber. As we think, we change the physical nature of our brain. And as we consciously direct our thinking, we can wire out toxic patterns of thinking and replace them with healthy thoughts. I talk about gratitude. Can I, can I give you one more? And I'm a, I, know, I know we went to class. Here's what UCLA says. UCLA says this. By the way, they're, they're going to use a, 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 a drug here called Prozac. If you're, if you're on medication, stay on it. Amen. I'm not a doctor. Neither are you. Listen to your doctor. But here's what UCLA research says. Just like Prozac, gratitude can boost neurotransmitter serotonin and activate the brainstem to produce dopamine. Y'all, you can get high on gratitude. Can we get high tonight? Can we get lit tonight? Can we turn up tonight? We can get so grateful that we, that's why, see, people, people uh, criticize Pentecostals. And they go, it's just emotionalism. They get all stirred up. For real, we do. Because we start praising God. We start clapping. We start shouting. We get high on our own supply. Go ahead and get emotional for a second. And just thank God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been so good to me. God, where would I be without you? The, 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 the man came to Jesus and shouted with a loud voice. You want to know why? Because one of the first things that leprosy would do is it would destroy your larynx. So you would have had a real beat down, scratchy voice. The man got his voice back. He shouted because he could. And Jesus didn't shut him up. Now I believe in order. And I believe in reading the room. I believe in all that. And I, and I believe in being sensitive. But I never want to stop a miracle. Amen. <sighs> and just Tuesday night, I was with the Harris family. We were at the Knights game. And no one ever told us to be quiet. And when Flurry caught that miracle save, I don't know if y'all saw it. No one went, oh, that's great. 
That place came unglued over a buck. So I just never want to, I never want to try to control this thing. I want to let this thing breathe because if people are receiving from God, I'm going to let them say thank you over and over and over and over and over again with a loud voice. Amen. Number three, believe God for wholeness. Man, the keys come. Believe God for wholeness. Believe for wholeness. Here's what he said. He said, he said sir, where, where are the nine? See, they all got healed. Every one of them got healed. The, the, the bacteria stopped. The disease stopped. But whatever they lost, they had still lost. If they had lost fingernails, they were gone. If they had lost fingers, they were gone. If they had lost hair, it was gone. If they had lost teeth, it was gone. If it, whatever they had lost, if they had lost their voice, it was gone. A lot of lepers lost their eyesight. If they were blind, they were blind. They wouldn't deal with that bacteria or disease anymore. But they had to deal with the effects of it. But Jesus said, but because you came back to me, I will, here's what he said, restore you to health. See what, what gratitude does, gratitude makes whatever you have enough. Gratitude makes whatever you, enough. And when you're not grateful, you never have enough. You, you could be in a 10,000 square foot house, it ain't enough. You could have 10 different cars, it's not enough. You could have spouse after spouse, it's never enough. You could have, you can move from city to city, it's never enough because if you're not grateful, it's never enough. But gratitude makes whatever you do have enough. And then, and then he, said, he said, you've been made whole. And as he was praising God and his eyes were closed and he was glorifying God and he was thinking Jesus over and over and over and over. And Jesus said, you've been whole. And all of a sudden he could, he could feel and his, and his fingers were back and his nails were back and his, his teeth were back and his lips were back his nose was back his ears were back his hair was back huh. and and everything he lost was restored because this word restore here is the greek word sozo s-o-z-o it means to restore to heal to deliver to save this word sozo is also found like in Ephesians 2 and it says by grace you've been saved you've been sozoed you've been completely restored healed saved delivered Jesus says you've been you've been completely restored to how you were before the disease okay by the time Jesus was done with him he didn't look like what he had been through. I'm talking to someone that has gone through hell and high water. You have fought battle after battle. You barely made it here tonight, but I'm telling you by the time God's done with you, you won't even look like what you've been through. This ain't for everybody. But if anybody's gone through anything, I'm telling you, you can be made.
vida. I don't know if you've ever met people that have gotten saved, like super saved. And they start telling their testimony. You go, no way, that wasn't you. That was me. No way you didn't do that. I did that. You didn't couldn't say that. I said that. You didn't do all that. I did all those things. They've been so transformed that they don't look like who they were. They don't look like what they did. They don't look like what they've been through. They've been radically transformed. This is, this is, this is, this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel chapter three, the Bible says they went into the fire, but when they came out, their clothes were not burned. Their hair was not singed and they did not even smell of the smoke. They didn't, they didn't have to look like what they went through because God did that big of a work in their life. David went to God and he said, God, I want to build you a house. I want to build you a temple. And God said, David, you're, you're a man of war. There's too much blood on your hands. You can give towards it, but you can't build it. Solomon's going to build it. So the Bible said David went to his personal treasury. Um, if, you, if you did the numbers, it would have been billions and billions of dollars that David gave. He went to his personal, personal treasury. What does a king have in his personal treasury? A king has all the spoils. He's got crowns from kings and breastplates from kings. And he's got, he's got uh, you know, the, the gowns from kings. He's got all the pearl from the kings and the gold from the... He's got all that stuff that he's stolen, that he's taken from the enemy. He's taken back from the enemy in conquest. So now he takes it and he gives it to the house of God. But they have to now reshape it and rework it for the temple. So they would have taken the breastplates and they would have melted them down and then they would put it on the walls. And so people would walk in and go, oh, what a beautiful gold wall. And he would go, oh yeah, it looks good to you, but I remember that victory. That's when I went after the Amalekites and I got everything back when God told me I could recover all. And the, and the high priest would walk in with, the, with the, the rubies and the diamonds and the precious jewels on their chest. And, and, and people would go, oh, wow, the, what, a, what, a, what a beautiful ornament. How, how gorgeous. Go, oh, man, all those precious stones, those came, those came off the crown of a king from the Hittites. That was a, that was a crazy battle. But God, God gave me the victory. All oh, these pearl floors, they're beautiful. Oh, yeah, this pearl. This came from the Philistine temple. And I, I took it from that temple. I destroyed that demonic temple. And then we built it for God's house. And, and everything that, I, that I've been through, I now use for God's glory. But it doesn't look like what it's been through. Because <laughs> I'm now using it for God. So people look at you and they go, you did that? was me oh but it's not me anymore I, I've been I've been Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ I no longer live, live now Christ lives through me Romans 6 I, I died I was buried with Christ in baptism and I've been now raised into new life I don't look like what I've been through because I've been sowed-sowed. I've been saved. I've been restored. I've been healed. 
I am not who I was. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and there's, about, there's about 300 people on this campus right, right now with the, with the adults, maybe a little bit, 350 with the kids and everybody. And, 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 and if this math is right, that means there's only about 35 grateful people who maybe walked in. But I think we're different now after the word. So I need anybody who's grateful with a loud voice to thank God over and over and over. to me. God, you've been so faithful. God, I love you. I worship you. And tonight we say to God, be the glory. To God, be the glory. Oh, makes me want to shout and sing and praise God. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You could be seated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Here's your homework. Y'all ready for your homework? Probably don't even need to write it down. Be grateful all week. Go to war on complaining. Go to war on it. Just like, I'm going to let you do something. I'm, I'm always like, don't be the pride police. Don't be the this police. Don't be, be the complaining police this week. Just be the police. Be the police in your house. <laughs> And anyone who goes to your, be the popo. Anyone who goes to, you, it, who goes to this church in your house, just be like, yo, you're under arrest. <laughs> Cut it out. Thank God. Okay, yeah, my bad, my bad. And this week, just be a, be a worshiper, be a praiser, be, be thankful. Rejoice and rejoice and rejoice and, and watch God move in your life in Jesus' name.